That's it. Cool. There's not uh, really any introductions. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so, fuck it. Let's do it. So, podcast number 36 with cool. Charles Dorrell. How's it? And uh, the reason I got Charles here, it's going to be a bit of a, a heavy one today. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Like, um, we're going to basically be talking about death. Yeah. And like, there's no... You can't fuck around with this topic. For sure. Bro. Um, so, I've known Charles 17 years. That's right, yeah. Going on to 18 very yeah. soon. Yeah, yeah. First of April. Yeah. Um, and then... Charles and I share a very special bond where his fiance passed away mm. pretty much at the same time that my brother passed away. Yeah. And I knew his fiance from my primary, not primary, from my high school days. And um, yeah, she knew my brother and we all knew each other. And um, death is quite a weird thing. Yeah. for everyone for sure yeah uh but death is quite weird if it's someone close to you yeah and if you are a young individual yes and especially if it's the first death that's mm. big in your life like yeah. i had a granny that passed away but we weren't that close yes. i had a few friends or acquaintances pass away but they weren't a, a intricate part of my life yeah. and my identity mm. So, and I can sit here and say that I don't know how I would have dealt with that whole situation if it wasn't for Charles, mm. you know. Uh, sure. So that is fucking, I've got a bit of goosebumps. That is the introduction <laughs> to today's podcast. Yeah, gee. Uh, I don't okay. know where we're going to go for that, but um, yeah. when did Robin pass away? Uh, nearly, f it will be five years on the 8th of June this year five years crazy man yeah time flies actually it seems like it's happened yesterday but it also is like it hasn't happened yesterday it's quite a trip surreal feeling that it's a weird vibe which means i've been back <coughs> in the country basically six years yeah almost yeah five and a half years must be yeah and uh i assume you're in a different place now than what you were five and a half years ago meaning when she passed away yeah just after she passed i don't know like the way you see life your outlook on it and yeah is that darkness uh and grief temporary yeah look i mean on my way here knowing that we were going to have a bit of a discussion about this topic i kind of went to um just after she passed away we used to go to have tea and go for walks at the helderberg farm just outside somerset west on the way here to stellenbosch and her parents felt that because it was such a special place for her that they were going to have like a little bench put up along the walkway there and there's no one else has done that so you walk about say 100 and 150 meters up this pathway in between all these trees and next to a little stream and there's this bench with a plaque on it with a little swallow because robin had like two tattoos of a swallow on her um she believed a lot in what the swallow stood for and stuff like that and there's this little plaque that just says, you know, from her parents, our beloved daughter and sister and her brother and them have a little thing there that they've said for her. So every now and then when I feel like I miss her or whatever the case might be, then I take a walk up there. But it's almost like I have to prepare myself 
while I'm walking up there because sometimes when I get there, I'm totally numb, um, even though it's been so long. And then sometimes when I get there, like tonight, I got teary in my, I got teary, you know what I'm saying? Like I sat there and then all of a sudden I just wanted to smoke a cigarette because I wanted to take myself away from how I was feeling. So yes, it does pass the grief and stuff like that. But when I open the door again, then those feelings can come, but not as intensely as what they used to. Because I mean, like someone, I, like I was thinking about it when I was sitting there. I mean, it's not like, you know, like a relationship breakup, you know, you're, you're in a relationship, for example, it doesn't work out and the two people party split and you can kind of go, you're, you're stupid, you know, like you go your way and there's this resentment and that sort of fuels the, the dealing with the trauma of the breakup. Whereas I was in love and, you know, I got engaged knowing that she was passing away and giving her her heart's desire because that's what her dream was always to marry me. So I did that for her knowing that it wasn't going to happen. So doing those commitments and coming out of a real place of love and loving the person and the person passing away, it's just a whole different ball game left with you know because now it's confusing because now i would like to move on with my life but i'm also still in love with this person that's not around anymore so it's this weird vibe it's it's really unexplainable and it's 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 definitely caused depression in my life Mm. if i must be honest it's just so weird we're having this podcast today because i went to my mechanic this morning yeah. And uh, their, the, the wife and the husband, they work together, mm-hmm. admin lady and the mechanic. Yeah. And their children were together with us at school. Okay. And the eldest son was the same year as my brother. Yeah. And my brother's name, Duart. Yeah. So I got there this morning. She was like, isn't it Duart's birthday soon? Ooh. I was like, hold on. It's like, I think it's tomorrow. Yeah. So the, my brother that passed away, the, the birthday is tomorrow. Sure. And then you phoned me, yeah. and it's like we were just chatting, and I was like, "Dude, are you keen for a podcast? Yeah. When are we gonna do it?" And it's like, "Fuck, maybe tonight." And yeah. then, what are we gonna do it on? Are we gonna do it on this? And now we're doing on it, and it's just like the way everything's coming together is a little bit for weird sure. and freaky. And for sure, yeah, bro. Um, <clears throat> and the reason I say that is um, when you were talking now. I just find it weird that the person's just not around anymore. Yeah. Just they, something happens sometimes and I, and it's like, that's a joke that Duarte will appreciate. Mm. That's a comment that Duarte, oh, Duarte will like that movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. that fucking tune, I got to send that to him because he makes music and that will help him to. Yeah. And then it's like, it's a blank empty space. For sure, bro. No, I know what you mean. Do you believe there's something after this life? Yes, I do. And does that help you to deal with the death? Yes, it does. Um, I went through a very like strange, obsessive six months after she died, where I was. I've got uh, this really awesome bookstore down the road um, in Gordon's Bay, Bikini, Bo- Bikini Beach Bookstore. Mm. A lot of people know about it. It's awesome, old school. You walk in there, nice tranquil music playing, just a lack of vibe. I was never really a big reader, but. Over the years, I've started enjoying it. So anyways, cut a long story short, I I saw this book called Five Minutes After Death. So I looked at this and I grabbed it and I read it. And from there, this compulsion went into where is she, what's she doing, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, like this whole weird thing. Is she safe? Is she not safe? You know, um, it sounds crazy because some people are just like, okay, 
you know, they've passed on they're in a better place or some people believe, you know, they're gone, they, they, they're at peace and that's the end of it. Some people with their religious views believe in other stuff. Everyone's got their different opinion on it. For me personally, I have my own experience and my own views. Mm -hmm. So there was a spiritual element in her life just before she passed away. There was a really interesting and weird experience that happened for me with her the night before she passed away. We can get into that later. Um, but it does help, obviously, because like when I was at the bench today, I'm kind of like sitting there going like, you know, where are you? Mm. What are you doing right now? So she loved horses, you know. So mm. I kind of like in a way I sit there and I think to myself, maybe she's riding an amazing beautiful thoroughbred horse right now you know or she's sitting next to a stream reading a book or something like that doing what she loves you know i don't know you know i mm. i've never died i don't think you know you like i've watched a lot of things on youtube of people that say they've had death experiences where they go and they come back and looked you know i i went a bit obsessive afterwards because i think that was just trying to deal with the trauma of it um, and eventually I got to a point where I realized, you know, it is what it is. And like today when I was at the bench, I kind of just said, hey, babe, how are you doing? You know, whatever you're doing right now, I hope you're enjoying it. I miss you. I still love you. I always will. And, I, you know, I can't change it. But, you know, you just got to know that I've got to go on with my life, you know. And as, as I feel and I remember what she was like, you know, she had her struggles with her illness, you know, getting like physically sick over the last six months when she deteriorated um i'm sure that you know like she can't come here and then say charles you know move on with your life or whatever the case might be that is an internal struggle i have to go through and i have to get to a point where i need to say okay you know it's been hectic and i've healed but it's also a topic that you know I think people just don't understand. Unless you've lost someone, like you say, that's close to you or something like that, you won't understand it. And I think it's just such a weird thing, like I explained earlier, the fact that when you're in love and the person just dies, it, it, it's a weird feeling. I mean, even like, sorry, even like family or friends that you love and care about, it's still, it's still death. Death is death. But it has left me with a weird question mark, if I must be honest with you. Like, ching, ching, you know? Yeah, so... The rough part for me about death is um, seeing death in movies does not prepare you for death in the real world. No ways, bro. Um, I saw a couple of movies and I actually wanted to send them a message saying like, fuck, well done. You mm. know, you got it right. Yeah. Like, I can see. It's just weird, man. This whole like, um, my brother was there. Yeah. And five seconds later, he's definitely not there. Yeah. And I don't associate the body with him. Yeah. Like the spirit is gone. Exactly. Yeah. And that was weird, man. Yeah. And that makes, I think that makes death easier to deal with. Because yeah. if it was like, I felt like the spirit was in his body yes. and then I had to bury the body, I think I would forever want to go to the piece of earth where yeah. he was buried. But yes. because the spirit just disappeared. Yeah. It makes it a little bit because what you're saying is at least with a breakup with someone it's a decision if yeah. the business finishes if yeah. you get fired it's a decision from somewhere somewhere yeah. and it's normally mutual because yes. the two parties don't like each other and For it's sure. healthier to move on where this mm. isn't necessarily a decision from anyone no fucking the universe whoever you want to say yeah 
And I think um, that's the part of death and the nature type of way. The fact that the spirit disappears. I think that yeah. helped me. But it was hard, man. Mm. Like seeing my brother take his last breath. For sure, bro. Um, it wasn't easy. No, it wasn't. Um, uh, and my brother and I, we had a we had a strained relationship yeah. that last 10 years. <clears throat> but we were 18 months apart yeah. or 20 months apart. Okay. We grew up like left and right hand. Yes. I use these id to buy liquor yeah <laughs> because we look similar we did everything together and there's some stuff that i feel only he will understand in mm. my spirit and there's some stuff that only i could understand in yeah. his spirit yeah for sure and it feels fucking lonely sometimes yeah don't know if any of this makes sense but absolutely yeah. what um Obviously. How did she like explain quickly the process from her becoming ill to her becoming we know this is terminally ill mm. and then the process of how long was it from her being terminally ill to death? Yeah. Okay. And then the process that you went through there. Okay, well um you know <clears throat> sorry there's a bubble. I'm not getting over-emotional <laughs> yet. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> no. Um, so basically what happened was, uh, you know, no one knows what's going on internally in someone's body, you know. And uh, one day she got sick um, and it was like strange and we were staying together and I called her mom and her mom came around and we took her to the hospital and they checked her out and... She, they said she was fine, right? But they, she wasn't fine. That she didn't know of yet, and we didn't know of. So they checked normal vitals and stuff like that, but they didn't see that there was actually a problem with her heart. So that's maybe if they picked that up then, it would have been a different story. But there's no blame. There's no you should, he should, she should. It, it is what it is. So basically what happened was she got sick again, and um, they did tests and they found out there was an irregularity in her heart. So it's quite a serious thing, you know. So, I mean, the heart's not something you can mess around with. No. And um, basically, yeah, she went for more tests and stuff. And they started figuring out that there's, there's, there's a valve that needs to be replaced and stuff like that is quite badly damaged. And things like, you know, and it, it becomes serious. <clears throat> And it was so weird because it's like that started affecting other parts of the body, you know. So it wasn't a case of, you know, they found it and now it's okay, let's fix it. It was a case of it's been found a bit too late now. Mm. And it was almost like, okay, it's like a pre-warning, like, listen, this girl is on her way out. But now you've at least been given, like, let's say, a six months to know and how to deal with it. So... We try to raise the funds and stuff like that to try and get her an op. But the doctors actually said to me before they told anyone else, before they even told her parents, because they knew, I, you know, we were like in a very like close relationship, <clears throat> that she's probably not going to make it. You know, that's and she's probably too weak to get the operation in any event. So, 
you know, I feel for her parents. We had a good relationship. And obviously, you know, m- mom and dad don't want to see their daughter pass away. So they're going to try and do everything they can in their power, to, you know, to, 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 to help. So I had to be very careful not going into blame games with the doctors. Because I would find if the doctor would just say so one thing to me, like, and I'd be like, how the hell, how dare you say that, you know? Because obviously I'm trying to help and be supportive, but also not getting support for me, being supportive for her. So me and her parents were kind of supporting each other, and then slowly she started deteriorating. Um, so it was basically like a f- four-month process. Um, she was still staying with me eventually. Her lungs started giving in and just internal organs and stuff like that. I mean, you remember she was a pretty girl, you know. She started like swelling up and just everything just started failing. And uh, there was a, there was a time where she was walking around with me in the mall with the oxygen mask on and sitting in a wheelchair. People were like stare at me like, you know, like, oh. people are like so judgmental and such idiots actually. Not everyone, but you know, like, People just, I don't know, they don't think clearly. You know, the comments that will get made, like, you know, shouldn't you rather leave her at home? Like, why should she stay at home when she's got every right to enjoy the last, you know, couple of months of her life type of thing? So I don't care what people think of me. I've always been like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't care. If I've got a hole in my T-shirt and I'm walking through the mall and someone says you've got a hole in your T-shirt, I'll actually pull it and make it bigger. So... What I'm trying to say is that it, it took a few months and the deterioration was hard on me and everyone around her. And um, But what part is hard? Is it the, like she can't get out of bed, she needs help to take a shower, she doesn't feel like eating, she has no energy? Like what part makes it hard? I think what makes it hard is obviously now you've seen this girl that's been lying next to you breathing properly and eating properly and stuff like that. And everything's been fine and now all of a sudden there's an oxygen mask and it's mm-hmm. coughing and it's almost seizures and it's stuff like that so what makes it hard is it's you're seeing someone that you love or well, i was seeing this girl that i love that's 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 deteriorating in front of me and there's nothing i can do about it mm-hmm. it's that powerlessness feeling it's like i can't control this so i've got a decision now i'm either going to switch myself off from it and go hard and just say no whatever fuck it you know that's just there run away and leave the situation or i spoke to someone who's a big mentor in my life and i said to him what do i do and he said to me no matter how hard it is you need to stand by her side you know because that's how it works you know and like i said in that time her biggest dream was that we would get married one day since she met me i mean I wasn't interested years ago in her because she was just a lot younger. Um, And then eventually our paths crossed again later on in life. But I actually took her the one night she was in uh, the hospital. And I went and I bought a ring and without telling anyone about it. And I I went and put her in a wheelchair and I wheeled her outside into the yard at the hospital. And I proposed to her, you know. And I could see in her eyes she knew that you know this isn't gonna happen and i I, like there was that awkward silence of like okay why are we doing this but you know like just i just felt i needed to do it and i wanted to do it so it was a big commitment from me even though we both knew that it wouldn't be possible so that was an amazing experience that 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 i had with her and then um eventually 
just got worse and she had to go stay with her mom and her mom did an amazing job looking after her and stuff like that and 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 i would go and visit and i would go and sleep over there and stuff like that and it's just such a powerless feeling when she can't breathe and there's nothing that i can do about it um so i really had to switch off from this somehow and gain strength but because i'm one of these o's like cowboys don't cry type of oaks you know like i try and hold it in tight and like I, you know i'm tough i can handle this but on the inside it's like breaking you know but i don't go and talk to anyone about it and i think that's the biggest problem that i struggled with was that i wasn't talking to anyone properly about the situation like i can handle it this is fine i've handled rough stuff in my life i can handle this and i think that's where the damage was being caused to a point that eventually i was going to go work away the doctor said she's got about a month left to live she was in hospital and um, I had to go work away for a week in Hermanus. And I'd gone, th- okay, this is what happened. The night before I left, um, it was just the two of us in the hospital room. We said the serenity prayer. She could hardly talk, but I said the serenity prayer. She spoke it with me. Then um, I am a spiritual guy, so I prayed for her. And there's probably people that are that are going to listen to this that 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 don't believe and do believe and i'm not here to tell anyone what's right and what's wrong this is just what my experience what happened for me that night and um we said a prayer and i and i'd apologize to her for you know getting angry and my frustrations and you know like you know i'm not a perfect human being you know i've hurt her obviously in certain ways and she'd hurt me in certain ways and she made an amend and I made an amend, which a lot of people unfortunately can't do. But anyways, what happened was <clears throat> we um, we finished that and I said goodbye to her. And I closed my eyes just to kind of just relax, you know, because I knew I was going having to go away for work and I just closed my eyes and when I closed my eyes I mean some people might think I'm crazy some people might not believe this or whatever but when I closed my eyes I I, it it was like I envisioned like these four angels if you want to call it standing in the corners of the room but not like these little angels with like (laughs) that with a harp floating away you know like a lot of people say (laughs) it was like these battle scarred battle scarred like warriors you know like with these mean swords and like you can see scars on the wings and like like protecting and she was lying there and her hair was white and the sheets were shining white and it just it was just for me maybe it was just my mind saying that she's now ready to go Mm. but to me it just seemed like whether this was my mind just telling me that she's safe or whatever i don't know what happened there um, it's not like I physically saw it with my eyeballs, you know what I'm saying? It was when my eyes were closed, I envisioned this. And that was quite an amazing experience for me because, like you said, now um, when your brother passed, his spirit left, you know. It's almost like I could see that she was ready to go and there was this protection for her regardless of what's going on. So maybe that was just maybe my internal self just giving me some peace about it. So that's that. I went off to Hermanus and um, I went for a surf during lunchtime and then basically what happened was I came out the water and there was like 10, 12 missed calls on my phone from my mother 
And I was like, oh dear. So I phoned her back and she said, Charles, you need to get here now. I don't know if you're going to make it in time. So anyways, I've got this, I had this old diesel buck here. <laughs> so we're just going to take a small break here. Charles is a stock car racing driver. <laughs> so he's very good at driving. <laughs> But unfortunately <laughs> for me, <laughs> I was in my Ford Ranger, which is a diesel bucky, okay? And it can only go so fast. And trust me, from Hermanus or Onrus to Medicity in Somerset West feels like a year with that bucky. And I tell you, downhill, I was freewheeling. I was going past the cars. There would be cars coming from the front. I would overtake into their yellow lane to go around all the cars. No way. It was like nuts. Um, there was another guy that I knew that, 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 that was doing the job with me that got in the car with me and he was trying to tell me just calm down but I was like in racing mode literally like because when you race you just everything changes I mean it's your life's in the line and it's the adrenaline's pumping and you just everything focused everything slows down it is so when I was driving back I could only go so fast if the car went 400 k's an hour I would have pushed it 400 k's an hour you know but so maybe it's a saving <coughs> grace you were in a Ford fucking whatever that's the thing um, and amazingly, I pushed it so hard that it didn't even break. So, that, you know, that was also like quite cool. So I was safe when I drove, but I pushed it to get there. So I get to the hospital, I leave the bucky running in the parking lot in front of the entrance and I get out and I run and I come running down the corridor and I get there and everyone's in the room, family, best friends, what, 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 what. And I can see her like sort of grasping for air, you know, and her arms are reaching and I'm looking at this and I'm going okay and i'm now still trying to be mr tough guy and i looked at her and i don't know i just cracked i, I cracked and i just burst out in tears like i just like all the 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 pain and the emotion that had come with this process it was just like all of a sudden like just exploded and her best friend came and she was like comforting me and stuff like that and eventually i stopped and I could see she was struggling and then her mom asked me, do you want to be alone with Robin? And I said, no, I had my alone time with her. I want you guys to be with her now, you know, because it's a special time. <clears throat> and Robin was struggling, struggling. And I, I went to Robin and I said to her stress, I said, you know, just go be at peace now. Just go be at peace. True story, two, three, five breaths later, she was gone. So it's almost like she waited for me to get there which was already like a, a, a mind-blowing experience, you know, that, you know, she was like fighting, you know. You could see she was fighting to hang on. And then when I said to her, you know, just be at peace, then she let go. So it was just, and, and, and when that happened, I was totally like, it was surreal, bro. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to think. Like, you know, people going like, you know, like close people's eyes and stuff like that. I, I didn't do any, I didn't even want to touch her body, bro. Like, mm. I just looked at this and I was like, I, I lost them with the plot. I just went like, something snapped. I, I, all I remember was phoning Ashley, you know, Ashley, um, and saying, bro, bring me a packet of Red Bulls, <laughs> five boxes of cigarettes, and pick me up now, bro. That was it. I didn't go back in and like wait to see her get taken that was it for me mm -hmm. and i drank like those red bulls and because i don't drink or anything like that so mm -hmm. i just drank a couple of red bulls and a cup of cigarette and um yeah that was that process and that's where i will leave it now for you to say something because obviously it's quite an emotional <laughs> thing to talk through even though i'm smiling and laughing yeah so um <clears throat> 
I don't know, man. Just listening to you talk, like I have this underlying tears. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, tick, tick. Sure. Um, I feel sometimes that if I listen, if if I talk about my feelings, I it helps me to access them. Yeah. But sometimes by listening to other people, that helps me to access them. Yeah. So something that I've been doing recently is I watch heavy movies, mm. and I can feel like. I've got to grieve for my brother mm. and I'll fucking choose movies where I know there's someone dying. That's like yeah. a very emotional scene. So it's normally movies that I've seen before and yes. I know when it's coming and stuff. And it's like, I don't know, man, I can relate to, to a lot. Um, it's really hard for me to, to have this vision of her battling for her last breath because I had a very similar my brother had cancer for about three years. Um, also, he went for a colonoscopy. They yeah. missed the tumor. Yeah. A year later, they found the tumor. Yes. It was big. Yeah. They did surgery. And then they cut it out, but it did, the cancer cells spread into the lymph and it went into the rest of the body. And then he had all over cancer, pancreas, liver, sure. everything. And... <clears throat> You know, so um, it was also this like slow, slow death. Yeah. Uh, and it was also the doctors came to me, came to my dad and said, listen, your son's not going to make it. Yeah. And he knew a year before, he knew two and a half years before it actually happened. Because sure. you go into, like with cancer, you, you, you treat cancer with poison yeah. and then you go into remission yeah. and then it's like let's just wait and see if this shit's working and then you get out of remission and um they just said like he's not going to make it and that's the day before i flew to poland so that's why my polish experience was quite fucked up because i was like waiting for a year and a half to get a call from my brother saying like listen i've got six months left mm -hmm. and i got that call and it was like dude the doctor said i'm not going to see december sure and that was that was a rough day for me. Um, yeah. And I came back to South Africa and I had about four or five weeks with my brother, but he was in so much pain yeah. that you can't hang out with him. For sure. Because he's just not in a good mood. Mm -hmm. And it's weird how if friends came to visit, he could put on a strong face for them. But mm -hmm. when his family was around, you could see like the, the yeah. guy busy suffering. Yes. And uh, so the friends come around and they smoke weed with him for like half an hour, 45 minutes. And he can yeah. be like, okay, I've got to go back. And then just seeing how he is, um, the deterioration. So he was, I think when he was diagnosed or pre-diagnosis, he was 120. I think when he died, he was something like 65 or 70 kgs. Sure. So he almost lost. And um, seeing him becoming a skeleton was mm. hard. Yeah. Um, the way his body became stiff mm. like the way he's moving yeah. he looked like the people from the concentration camps in world war ii yeah like you slowly became like that the yeah. way he moved uh, this loss of purpose a bit you know him crying because he can't eat you know and if he eats we had to like um his food had to be puree because if it wasn't it might block him internally and he might die and 
I don't know. You know, all of that stuff was rough to see. And uh, I was overseas. So when I came back and I saw all of that, how bad it got, I was like, Jesus. And, um, mm. you know, I also had the thing of I went cycling. And uh, we were all on standby, like, fuck. Yeah. When's this thing going to happen? And um, any miscourt, it's like, fuck, did it happen? Yeah. But then the morning of, you go cycling, you take two-hour break, and you switch your phone on, and there's 16 miscalls. You know yeah. fucking shit's going down. For sure. And then it's like this reptilian brain kicking in. Like, it's weird how we chase to be there for the last breath. Yeah. It's very strange. We're willing to put our own lives at risk just so that we can ha be there mm. when they pass. And it's almost like the worst thing you can do yeah. is to kill yourself in the process. Because sure, I also yeah. jumped in a car, my old Toyota Corolla 84 model, dirt road, fucking just drifting. You know, 60 kilometer uh, zone, driving 140, 150 with this little fucking car. Yeah. Also, like, stopping, barely switching it off, running in. And then my dad's just, like, standing there, like, shaking his head. And I'm, like, almost, like, walking in, like, uh, read the situation. And uh, my brother decided to die at my parents' house. He didn't want to die in the hospital. And he didn't want to go to the hospice. And I got there and I gave my dad a hug and then suddenly my brother came running into the room and he's like, he's still alive, he's still alive. And we're like, what? And we walked into the bedroom and as I walked, you know, it's the same like you say with Robin, like this, like grabbing for breath, uh, mm. this last couple of breaths. And then he passed away. You know, just as I walked in. Yeah. And, uh, and then the fucked up part comes of checking the pulse. Yeah. You know, so I've got this thing of, if any psychologist is listening, like, so up until there, I can process the, the sadness and the stuff. But then the trauma for me comes in with, I had to take, it sounds like you had something similar. Where do you place the role of I'm supporting and I need to be supported? Yeah. And I got into the position where I was supporting everyone. Yes. And it was almost like my saving grace was the fact that I am supporting, if anyone's listening uh, and not watching the <laughs> video, my little cat just jumped onto the table. Oh, sure. uh, so if you hear any rubbing, uh, or she's rubbing herself on the microphone, maybe. Uh. <laughs> so, I think for me, being in that role of being supporting everyone, mm. that was the way that I was coping with it. Yes. Um, but it was hard because I was the one having to check the pulse. Mm. And it's like, you don't get training for that. And yeah. then everyone's like, is he dead? Is he dead? It's like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Like, I don't have any... Like, I have first aid training, but I never fucking tested on a dead person that was alive five seconds ago. Yeah. And then my mom freaked out, and she's like, well, close his eyes. And those fucking eyes don't stay shut. Mm. That's the fucked up thing, is that they do it in the movies where they close yeah. it, and That's, it's closed. Yeah. It's not fucking closing. Mm. And don't tell me to do it again, because it's not moving. Mm. And it looks terrible. Mm. And then it's a bit like, what now? 
it's this weird what now and yeah. i quit smoking i think five months or six months prior to my brother's death so he died so two younger brothers so we're like let's go for a cigarette and uh i for some reason didn't have a cigarette and i still haven't smoked and it's well basically been six years and well done, man. it was weird for them both sitting there having a cigarette and i'm just like i don't know and then the fucked up part for me was because we the the his illness really destroyed us financially like the whole family um we couldn't afford good medical post care so they're like poor bearers or the funeral people we got the like cheapest people in the world so i ended up having to fucking carry my brother onto the gurney because the gurney didn't fit in the house and that was the like most heartbreaking moment for me was you picked him up and then when you removed the bedding you could see how fucking ill he was mm. how deteriorated the body and then it's like again you don't have experience so you pick him up and it's like fuck the head just drops back it's yeah. like support his head yeah. and then this like you can carry him with your fingers mm. and then having to putting him into the onto the gurney and then the gurney going into the funeral car shutting the door and them driving away that was probably the one of the most heartbreaking moments of my life just standing sure. there with my mom and my dad and everyone next to me and he's and he's because he died and it's like we all had we had something like two or three or four hours with him dead in the room so everyone had a chance to say goodbye you phoned the like lady from the hospice this angel she came over and confirmed the death and stuff and then it's finally like okay well yeah it is. that was just fucking heartbreaking man for sure bro so i, I don't know like I you feel talk your pain bro and i and i relate mm. um but yeah exp explain this uh role of being the one supporting everyone versus needing support like how did that work and how did that help you and how did that fuck you up because i'm sure it did both Mm, absolutely both yeah well it's difficult man when 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 you've got this this petite girl that's needing to be protected um and having to try and protect but yet being so powerless at the same time like i said i've already said that a few times now so going into this protector rescuer mode if i can say like that but knowing that i've got absolutely no power over the situation i can just try and make it as best for the other person as possible whereas i would lose myself in the process which was the difficult part like i said i wouldn't go and talk to anyone about it i'd maybe go and speak to my mentor um, and say to him listen this is the situation and he would give me some you know um good inputs or whatever but it's different for every single person is what i've realized mm. like what you've explained now the things that have that 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 upset you now what you were talking are not the same things that upset me mm. and vice versa i can feel your pain in the situation and i can hear what you're saying however every single person's struggle is different to the other person that's why i i went to a support group um for people that have lost loved ones for a couple of sessions 
But I just realized that I can't generalize with everyone. I can relate to the fact that I've lost someone that I love, but I can't. It's not the same story. I have to figure it out for myself. And I think the, the, the dangerous part for me was that I internalized it after she died. What does internalize mean? It just means I shut myself off from it and I made as if it never happened. Yeah. So I took all the pain and everything and I bottled it inside. Because I remember coming back from Poland and it's like, I was still at Pete's house that one yeah. day. And I was like, fuck, give me Charles's number. I got to reach out to the yeah. guy and check yeah. how is he doing. And it was a yeah. bit like, hey, dude, how are you doing? No, I'm cool, man. Thank you for phoning. Okay, okay, cool. Bye. Yeah. It's like, Jesus, yeah. nothing's penetrating. Exactly. But you see, with, with, if, if there's someone listening that this can help, that's where the problem came for me. You know, I do str struggle from depression, uh, manic depression. We'll just call it that for now. Um, and the dangerous part for me is that if I go too low, I can get insane thoughts, you know. So the problem was that going through this whole depressive episode plus having depression was a very bad combination and not talking about it even though i am on my medication that i've always been on it was probably would have been better if i was seeking medic ah, medical professional help during that process but because i know a little bit about basic counseling stuff i thought i can like sort of sort that out myself however i found myself one night sitting at radloff park <laughs> you know and sitting there feeling totally hopeless like this was this was about a, two weeks after we'd had her uh, memorial service mm. where I did a speech. Before I did the speech, I chose the song that we were, go we were going to sing. And I was about to crack, man. I tell you, I was about to burst into tears. And, and I knew if I crack now, that's, that's the end of me. No, mm. no one's going to stop this. So I pulled it back and squashed it inside me i killed that feeling which was the worst thing i could do i stood up on stage like almost like in denial about everything and smile and laughing and deflecting what was really going on in the inside and this and that at the funeral at the funeral which i was at yes so you saw how i did my speech you know it it was meaningful it was real but it was actually me shutting off what was really really going on for me because if i had to really let allow what was going on for me i wouldn't have been able to say a single word so that i just pushed one side and i think that bottle topped um or like a champagne bottle when you shake it and the cork shoots mm. off that's what happened to me the emotions and the depression and everything just started intertwining so would you be able to pinpoint a lot of problems at that specific moment yeah yeah and then basically i like i, I couldn't sleep i started losing sleep i started struggling um to eat and, and, and my surfing, I wasn't enjoying surfing. I was compulsively surfing to try and, you know, I was compulsively going to watch racing and and, and I was also not enjoying anything because I was starting to go through the, the, the grieving process. Mm. But because I was trying to prolong it out of being in denial for the how, it, how much it was hurting, I found myself sitting and looking at my belt, you know, in, in a car one night. And I was looking at this thinking, you know, like I can't handle this pain. So I reached out to a friend and I sent him a message and, and basically I, I read this message back and it looked to me like my life was about to end, you know. And I was like, well, okay, here's some serious, serious trouble here, you know, like I'm going to have to now start reaching out. So I started like, like you reached out and, 
you're one of the the few people actually that earnestly reached out you know a lot of people don't know what to say in these situations or they say stupid things like oh it's better it's like no it's not fucking better you dumbass you know like at least the sufferings you know like like some people just don't know what to say so rather Mm. shut up and go i'm sorry for your loss that's it you know when 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 things happen i try and try and keep it at that but people are trying to obviously be supportive and nice but sometimes they actually say things that actually can just do more damage than anything else and that's something that i experienced but anyways coming back to that evening i realized like i was in serious trouble here because it wasn't me it was like this grieving process that was taking over and instead of going with it because there's stages of it you know, I read about it and I've, I've heard about it and some movies explain like, you know, you've got to go through these phases of grief when someone dies and stuff like that. But I mean, psychologists will be able to help better with that kind of a process than what I can, you know. So I got a little bit of professional help outside of, of, of um, the, the circles that I move in. And basically what it came down to was the fact that I need to allow myself to go through the grief process. And when I came to a point like that, I would find myself often driving down a road, like to go and fetch my sister in Cape Town, driving on Baden-Powell Road, and the tears would just flood. The tears would be so intense that my glasses would mist up and I had to pull off on the side of the road and just cry until, whether it's an hour, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's one minute, just cry until I'm finished crying and then I move forward. And every time that came up for me, I would allow it. I even struggled to do things like go to motor racing. Mm. because I remember sitting next to me all the things that I enjoyed it's like I I, I, I just I, I stopped I was building a race car when we were um, started dating she was helping me build the race car I had to sell the race car for some financial um, obligations uh, to help with her and um, it just just everything just left a left a bitter taste in my mouth and over these five years that i've now been in i'll call it recovery from her death Mm. um it's definitely gotten better and easier however like i say when it is like the 8th of june like last year i was out with my father and sister we were out um having some dinner Mm. and i'd completely forgotten about the date and I was fine, and I was I was 100% fine. And then my sister said to me, I'm sorry about today. I said, what do you mean? She's like, no, I'm sorry. you know. And my dad said, but this is the day Robin passed. And just hearing that, something just snapped inside me, and I just, all these emotions came up, and I just, I, I was just like, I had to get out of there. It's like that whole place just started closing in on me. And I got in my car, and I went for a drive. I went to the beach. I took a walk. And that pain almost makes me feel alive. That's the funny thing, you know, because I got depression. The pain kind of makes me feel something other than just feeling numb. So it's like it's difficult because I either want to feel it or I don't want to feel it. So I've had to get to my get to a point in my life where I've said to myself, okay, you know, what is the depression and what is the grieving process? What is normal to say, okay, this is what I'm feeling now. It's it would have been her birthday on the 2nd of January, that day I was like, okay, it's just another day. However, it was a significant day in my life at one stage. So give it the the acknowledgement that it needs and also just let it move on. Mm. So if there's emotions coming up for me, I allow the emotions to come up for me and I feel them, but I don't allow them to dominate me because I realize that, you know, 
I've worked hard through my um, process of coming to acceptance, but there's there's other struggles that I've had as a result of her death, but that we can go into later or whatever. But how long, how long from her death to you sitting there writing that message to your friend? We were like, fuck. Mm. I think that was in the first six months. So it took you about six months to get real. Yeah. About her death. Yeah, every now and then it would creep up and then I'd just shoot it out. And my family was also saying to me, they were just saying like, Charles, listen, man, this is this isn't you. But I'm like, you know, I've just gone through a major life experience, you know, like, you know, and, and, and the people that look up to me in my family, because I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a brother to three sisters, you know, mm. so when they see me struggling, because I'm like, I'm, I'm like the, the survivor, you know, it takes a knock on the family. So they're kind of like, you know, just snap out of it. But it's not just a kind of like a snap out of it thing. Some people, let's put it this way. This is the best way to sum it up for me. Because I've been in a process of self-examination for so many years of my life, mm. okay? When I tried to shut it off like a lot of people do, it backfired where I could have ended my own life. Mm. That's the problem. And that's when I realized, uh, uh, this is not what I want for myself. What I want for myself is to heal so that one day I can sit with people or I can have this conversation and I can actually have it. And yes, it hurts. And yes, it brings up feelings. But I can also now sit here and go, it's almost five years down the line. I'm free. I've healed. It will always be a sore point here and there and everywhere. But if I look at where I'm at now, because I allowed myself to go through the proper grieving process, it's chalk and cheese, man. You know, it's like that first six months, it was, was touch and go dangerous stuff, you know. Like I say, I don't drink. So that wasn't an option. But the intensity of the feelings was so much, so overwhelming at times that because I wasn't getting help for it, it could have actually potentially ended up in something very dangerous. Mm. That thought come up, like suicidal stuff. No, absolutely. Where you're no. like, fuck, I don't want to live anymore. Yeah. What's the point of life? Yeah. You know, God is fucked up. No, I never thought that. You never went there? No, no, no. Okay, no. but it's just like dark places. It's not like a Romeo and Juliet thing, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, <laughs> I can't live without you, babe. I'm coming with, you know? No, yeah. it's just the intensity of the trauma, the pain, mm. um, the feeling of what now, you know? Like, do I now go into another relationship one day or do I stay with a ring on my finger for the rest of my life like some people do I think that's an internal uh, conversation I have to have with myself um, like I said earlier I'm sure Robin wouldn't want me to you know be unhappy for the rest of my life and I'm not saying being in a relationship makes me happy or unhappy mm. but I definitely have been left with a question mark of okay do I stay single now for the rest of my life and honor the fact that you know we were in love and she was the one or do I now move on and I did give it a go in another relationship say two and a half years after she passed away mm. on a dating site on TV which a friend of mine got me <laughs> man manipulated me to go on the click <laughs> the click yeah, on, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, that was awkward. <laughs> Dude, I was actually thinking about it earlier. I'm like, I, do I introduce? I was going to joke with you and I'm going to be like, I want to introduce uh, the famous Charles from uh, the TV series. You might recognize him, The Click. <laughs> What, nah, really. what uh, um, uh, channel on DSTV was that? Uh, it's the Afrikaans channel called Via. Is that the name of the channel? Yeah. Okay. The click on Via. They still do reruns now after so many years. Eh? <laughs> Can you watch it? You, like... <laughs> One of my friends recorded it. I've watched it once. I, I remember, like, I know we're changing the subject now, but it's good to bring in a bit of humor now. <laughs> I, but, I um, recorded it. And I remember me, you, and fucking Michael and Peter were sitting there. Oh, down. really? I think yeah, so. We were all... Man. All sitting down watching it. <laughs> and you fucking waxed it, man. Yeah, bro, but I mean, let me tell you something, okay? I don't care who it is, Johnny Bravo or whoever. Now, I'm not exactly the smoothest oak <laughs> with the ladies, okay? Like, I'm shy. Uh, I sickle with words. And um, now I'm standing backstage and there's eight girls sitting there ready to tear you apart okay so for <laughs> anyone listening because uh, i see i do see i do have a few listeners from outside south africa it's fucking creepy to see how uh, google analytics can tell you where your listeners are coming from i can yeah. even see the fucking town and the state and the country we have a this uh, program is called the click there's bachelors going on yeah. and then there is a bunch of girls that <laughs> basically chooses uh, they interview this guy yeah. And the guy has to... It's like The Bachelor. Mm. But fucking bullshit Afrikaans version <laughs> of it. <laughs> so he was a, a bachelor and he had eight girls uh, vying for a date. And uh, yeah, anyway, come back to you being backstage and there's eight girls. Let me tell you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> there's no push-ups. There's no coffee. There's no cigarettes. There's no nothing that can take away that stress of going, knowing that you're going out on national TV in front of a firing squad of eight girls <laughs> that are going to ask you all kinds of stuff to trip you up, you know. But um, it's so not me. But like I don't know. I just I did but it. But you waxed it, and I enjoyed it. It was quite fun. And he, and Charles did it in Afrikaans. Yeah. So Charles waxed these Afrikaans. <laughs> Dude, you were so smooth, man. I was just like, I wouldn't be able to do it. I would just be blushing and like, ah, you did so well, man. Bro, they had to put um, makeup on twice because I was going so red. Is it? <laughs> yeah. They had to put more like, I think it's base that they put on to, oh, yeah. so that you don't go so red on the camera. Okay, okay. Yes, bro. Anyways, so I met a girl from that. Mm. and um i gave it a go but then i realized like you know it's just not um it's, I, I'm, I'm i'm still too i'm damaged fresh. or i'm too fresh and mm. it wasn't fair on this poor girl and she was trying to be understanding and eventually i just broke it off because i realized like i'm like i don't know where i stand with you know like i say it's that question mark of do i now honor her till the end of my days which is kind of a bit selfish in a way or do i you know say okay cool i've had the experience we were in love she's gone she's never coming back again take the good out of it say thank you very much that's what i do i don't just look at the fact that oh it was doom and gloom for four to six months i look mm. at the fact that it was a difficult process it taught me a lot about myself and life and it's also given me a kick in kick in a couple of directions to say, look, bro, 
live your life to the fullest, you know, because when it's over, it's over. Mm. And the thing that I've made the most important in my life ever since that was family for me. Mm. Because for me, family wasn't always a priority. I'm an adrenaline junkie, so I can be honest here and, and, and be vulnerable and say that my sports was more important to me. Pushing the extremes was more important to me than anything else. Now, after that experience, I realized that family is more important to me than pushing the extremes. Because pushing the extremes, I've had more injuries than what I am old, you know. Like Travis Pastrana. <laughs> like, it's crazy, you know. And somewhere along the line, playing with fire like that is, can, can lead to serious consequences. So I've had to, like, tone down things. So I don't see a trauma happening in life necessarily as a bad thing. Depending on how I go from it, I think the bad thing was trying to bottle it up and to just shut it off and make as if it never happened. That could have backfired in my face. But then going from that point and slowly but surely trying to talk about it, you know, guys like you who are very open and easy to talk to, you know, you've got this like gift with it, you know, it's, it's like you like, like almost like with other people, I don't open up. But now I'm talking to you and like, I'm, 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 I'm realizing I'm talking about things that I don't talk about. Mm -hmm. You've just got this energy where you want to talk. So that's great. So talking to the right people and people that are reaching out in the right for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. That's what's important. And those are the things that I'll always carry with me throughout that process. You understand what I'm saying? So I need to thank you for that. Mm -hmm. You were really a, like a, I mean, we spoke at one uh, event, I just call it that, and just listening to you, I was going like, well, I'm not alone. I was like, wow, I'm not alone, because I always wonder, why am I going through these things? Mm -hmm. Why do we go through these things? And then, like a mate of yours that you've known for years, all of a sudden says something similar, and it's like, whoa, and we can be there for each other. That's, to me, what life is about. It's not about, it, my life's now over. It's about how can I help the next person mm -hmm. that's been through it. And that's what I said to myself. Let me heal from this and let me be there for people that have lost younger people, older people. It doesn't matter. But like especially being young and then having a young partner pass away. Mm. Yeah, well, I've got to thank you, man. Like, um, so It's weird how retrospectively you can look at a period of your life and be like, fuck that was definitely one of the most difficult times of my mm. life. And uh, I didn't realize how hard I struggled with life. And uh, my whole life changed when my brother passed away. Like I was living abroad. I was on my way to move to Spain yeah. from Poland. Yeah. And now I'm fucking back in South Africa. And suddenly a month after, a week after he died, I was bankrupt. Mm. and I was about to maybe have a divorce mm. because my lady was on a different page than me. Yes. And then and then my family's bankrupt and fucking this and this, and then suddenly it's just like, where am I? What the fuck is going on? Yeah. And then luckily our paths crossed, and that was the starting point for me yeah. with just finding myself again. For and sure, it, yeah. it started with, talking to people that cared that yeah. genuinely cared yes uh and people that like so with you it was me you mike and peter yeah that's right and we were all having a really hard time with our lives yeah. in different ways yes and we all wanted to change and have a better time. And we met once a week, once every yeah. two weeks. It's almost like a, for anyone listening, it's like a little men's group almost. Mm. 
and just sitting with guys that really cared and yeah. we were all pretty similar yeah like we none, none of us are super intelligent super yeah. handsome super yeah. rich like we're all pretty <laughs> on the same level because mm. if there was one dickhead sitting there with his fucking ferrari and complaining about life it'd be like your puss man so sitting with guys that were struggling but they were yeah. also caring and then us having that time outside yeah. our men's group where yeah. we just connected with yeah. someone passed away for sure bro. um and so i've got to thank you also for that because you also introduced me to those guys and yeah. i'm still friends with those yeah, guys awesome. and um i don't see them a lot but i do see them uh peter actually sent me a message yesterday it's like almost with for coffee on but <laughs> yeah like him, um but yeah man people say fucked up things huh yeah that's that's the so with death so a few questions i'm gonna just throw it out there like the stuff that comes up um the shit that people say like mm. i always say the the classic one my my mother had four sons and the day after her one son died someone told her well at least you have another three no and i'm like jesus idiot yeah. uh it's like it's just so people don't know what to say so my first question is and you did actually answer it if you have someone a friend whose family member loved one fiance girlfriends passing away what do you say that's question one mm -hmm. did you also experience that there's some people that you thought you would get some love and support from and you didn't and then there's random people suddenly coming into your life and then you get love and support from the last person or the most random comments from the most random people somehow have an effect and what's your relationship with the family of robin post death and how did you manage that mm, okay the first one the first question like you say we've 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 gone through um the second one yes it was it was mind-blowing as to who was there and who wasn't there you know um you don't blame them no you or don't do you blame them? no um because i i do i blame some people there's some people i blamed I was like, you know what? Fuck you. I expected a coffee. I didn't expect the emotional conversation. I expected us to go cycling. Yeah. That's what we have in common. And I asked you, can we fucking cycle? And yeah. you didn't. That's what pissed me off. But then if you know, if you've got a, on the flip side, where are they standing? Yeah. But then I'm like, fuck you. I'm having some problems. I, I don't know. That's my way of thinking. I don't know what you, what did you go through. Sorry. You know, like I say, bro. I just want to get better in my life, you know. I want to be free. Uh, I grew up, cowboys don't cry. No emotion. That's the way I, I grew up. Doesn't sit well with me. Over the last 18 years, since I've been living a different life than what I came from, I enjoy talking like we're talking now. It's not something I do every day, all day long. If the boys go surfing or the boys go watch racing, then we're talking racing or we're talking surfing or we're talking music or... But when I'm sitting here now, I'm talking, and it's healthy. It's healthy to talk and to actually feel the emotion, and whether it's hard or not, or whether it's exciting or whether it's depressing or whatever the case might be, it's, it's good to acknowledge what I'm feeling. Now, a lot of people don't want to acknowledge the feeling of someone else's struggle. Mm -hmm. That's the problem, and it's also not the problem. 
Because the people that I thought would really be there and be able to give me a shoulder to cry on, if you want to call it that, were the, were the ones that did not know what to say, so they rather got, became avoidive. When they went through similar experiences, some of them, I tried to reach out because I knew what it was like. They still carried on with the same way of dealing with it. Life is happy-go-lucky, whatever the case might be. But that's the way they deal with it. And that's why I said when I went to the support groups of, of people that have passed away, some people, uh, family members passed away 20 years ago and they uh, making as if it happened today, that same day. I can't deal with that, you know. I want to I wanna go forward with my life. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the people that I didn't expect it from are the people that reached out. Do you understand? Mm. And that to me was almost more valuable mm. than getting it from the people that I wanted to hear it from. Not wanted to hear it from, the people that I thought I'd hear it from. Yeah. You know, um, some people just don't want to go there. I enjoy... Now I enjoy facing the things because I realize like I can now sit with you and have this conversation without bursting into major tears. Maybe I'll have a cry on the way home while I'm driving because some emotions have come up. Maybe not. I don't know. But if I sit here right now having this conversation with you and I look back at the voices that did come into my life during that stage, it was the right people that like you said the people that that cared and the real people like i've had enough of fake people in my life i've had enough of superficial people yeah. how's it been are you let's do this let's do that we do that but then there's no there's no meat and substance it's flaky or let's meet and then they never meet i'm not perfect i mean i've dropped a lot of people as well you know in my life it happens you know, yeah. but i do see myself as someone that actually genuinely wants to actually just be there for another person and those are the people that kind of like i don't know it's like real people somehow cross real people's paths and whether it is for a lifetime or whether it's for like i call it seasons you know like sometimes do you know how many times sorry i how many times i've quoted you on this phrase seasons oh, really? you're the one that introduced <laughs> this to my life and i've had a few things in my life or someone else's life finish and i'm like you know there's a season like my good friend charles always says there's a season and i've quoted you so many times like i'm fucking quoting Einstein. i'm like you know what charles says <laughs> no but uh, i believe that whether it's for like whether it's for two coffees you know and then it's like two coffees that mean intense healing mm. just in two coffees Whereas I can spend two years with a certain person talking to them about the same topic and they just can't give me the substantial result that I got from two coffees with a certain person that really can be there emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. You understand? Mm. Um, I was talking to someone yesterday about open-mindedness. No, sorry, not yesterday, this morning. Mm. I gave a lifeguard a lift to Kube where I surf and we had this random chat because there's a book um, in my car and he started asking me these questions and we were just talking about open-mindedness and how close-minded the world is now and how like in with regards to his life-saving how some people will drown almost 
he will swim out and put his own life on the line, go and fetch that person, pull them back, and they won't even say thank you. You know what, what I mean? It's fuck? almost like they would be like irritated, like you just ruined my 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 swim. <laughs> but he knows that they're busy getting sucked out in a vicious current, and they will probably drown. And there's sharks out there. So it's like you were saying, like you know, people. Some people will, random people that he doesn't expect will just come past him and say, thank you so much for what you're doing for us. Whereas some of the people that really need the help, they just walk away. So it's like, that's life, bro. Like I've gotten to a point where like I can't lean on the people that I want to lean on because they're not just going to, they just might not give me what I'm asking for. And then like, you know, there's a saying like if the horse dies, get off it, you know what I mean? Like someone will cross the path that needs to fill the gap if the other people aren't and that's what i've realized in my life you see what i'm saying so sometimes someone will just say something that goes oh and that one word can be enough to just set off a healing path but what, is it the ticket or the egg because i had a situation today where i went to the traffic department i renewed this car license yeah. and like we slightly different where you're a bit more of a uh a specific higher power guy where I'm a bit more of a higher power guy (laughs) and I'm even struggling with higher power. So synchronicity is how I um, take sign from my fucked up concept of a higher power that I'm on the right path. So I've been procrastinating about doing my car license and then like within a space of, again, like I've, I've quoted you a few times, so I don't directly quote, but I, if three things happen, mm. if it happens in threes, yeah, and so from my time with you, where we were dealing with all of this stuff, and there's three things like there's a few things that happen in a short space of time. So I went to the traffic department, came out, went to my scooter, and there's this sick fucking bike next to mine, like this off road thing. So I'm like, where's the guy driving this fucking thing? And he's having a cigarette there, probably like 55. So I start having a cockbrot session with him, like, dude, does the bike drive as evil as it looks you know yeah, we yeah. Just, like, he's like sit on the things i'm like this guy's pretty cool like and i'm like we talk and blah 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 ends up he's trying to sell his business and he's going to immigrate okay but his business is worth 20 million sure i'm trying to sell my business which is worth 350 but it's yeah. dropped already to 250 he's like oh, don't worry i've dropped mine down to 10 million and i said to him i'm struggling with the fact that i can't sell my business mm. and i'm probably immigrating without selling my business and he somehow just looked at these like dude after a five minute chat he's like you're not doing anything wrong mm. you're not the reason that you're not selling your business it's not your fault you've done everything right you went overseas you broadened your mind you've broadened your horizons you learned you came back you took the gamble of opening your own business Mm. you've done it it's four years now you're selling it you've done everything perfect wow the fact that you're not selling it is not your fault sure and he said it a few times and it just it hit home Mm. where i was like so my question is the chicken and the egg like do you have to get involved in life so that that stuff can happen because maybe if i said nothing to the guy about his motorbike you know or does the universe somehow just force these people into your life because what you're saying is that some people cross your path and you didn't you weren't looking for them no but you were open to them yes but would they have attached to you even if you didn't 
interact with them i don't know like how do you find these people that's going to have positive impacts on you i don't know like look this there's this there's, there's probably i don't know how many billion people there are in, in this world i think right? it's 7.5 okay there's 7.5 billion different outlooks on everything in this world you understand some people believe in the same things let me just clear up what, what i said you said i have a specific higher power i have a, a higher power which i choose to call god yeah. but i'm also very open-minded mm. and the conversation that i had today by randomly picking up this lifesaver is just standing on the side of the road i'm like what the hell is this guy doing here he's supposed to be at the beach saving lives and then we get in the car and we start talking he sees the book but before he sees the book sorry i forgot about this he tells me oh, he'd come to town to buy something to eat and he went to the library to get a book so he can read on the, by the beach because there's no one there because obviously everything started again. And he realizes his wallet's gone. So he hikes back to town and goes to the shop and the wallet's not there so he starts panicking. And he goes into immediate panic and then eventually he realizes but he went to the library and there they've got the, his wallet. So then I randomly happened to come past, you know, to go for a surf and hear this guy standing on the side of the road. And, and he's telling me the story about his wallet. And I'm thinking to myself, like, geez, you know, there is some good in this world that someone actually picked his wallet up mm. and gave his wallet in, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was full of money. And he was about, in a week's time, he's leaving for uh, Durban. He's from Durban. He's a spiritual guy, believes in the same spirituality that I do. And he just told me some random things that made me think. I, I wasn't open to hearing it, let's be honest. I was like, surf mode, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, we're going to go get some tubes now, bro. Like, listen, bro, I'm like listening, but like, you know, one eye staring at the waves and the other one's in the road, you know. It's kind of like, okay, you know, I just want to get to surf. <laughs> but um, he said a few things that was like, it was like, yeah, you need to hear this, bro. Mm. You know, it's like, it's like basically what he was saying in a nutshell was like, good things happen, you know, and those are the things that I need to hang on to. So I'm going to bring that back to what I was saying about Robin's story. There was an amazing, amazing times we had together, and those are the things that I hold on to. Yet the darkness of death wants me to remember the last six months of like hell, doom and gloom. But I've chosen like eventually to now say, okay, that happened. It can't be changed, but what were the good times and what is it that I need to go forward from and what can I learn from the whole experience? And if people want to avoid and if I want to go to someone and say, it's like tonight, bro. It's like it's obviously meant that I'm, I need to talk about this because I'm now realizing how far I've come in these five years. And then I realize when I go to the bench tonight and I sit down, the tears can still come. But that's normal. Because I'm associating with a place where she's not literally lying there on the ground, but it's just a little spot where one can just go and reflect. Mm. So it was amazing. And I haven't been there in probably six months. So, and now I'm talking about it in a way that, because I normally get scared when I go and do talks at other places and I, have, and I bring it up. It normally wrecks me. Now I'm sitting here and having a conversation with someone that can relate. And also you that's got a a very deep insight into life as well. It's like there's a solution being spoken here now after the hard part in the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that is what the healing for me is all about. It's like, like you said, it's like talking to the right people and the healing process of talking about the situation instead of being a guy and going like, no, I'm not going to talk about anything, you know. And then coming back to what you said about this oak, here's a Kif motorbike parked right there. You know, you're a bit of a petrol head as well. You see the motorbike. You know, you can't help it. It's parked there and you start the conversation and then bang, you were meant to get a, a, a message. Mm. Those things happen. You know what I'm saying? And the more you put yourself out there in life, the more you see these things mm. and realize these things. And this is the thing. That's why a lot of people go, no, there's no coincidences, no nothing. Da, 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 da. That's, everyone can believe and choose to believe what they want to. But for me, it's those little moments that make me realize I'm on the right path at the right time. dude it's fascinating man it's fascinating like um you know what uh, i made a note here uh the coming back to what you said with robin and i don't want to really go too much back to it but um like Fuck, anyone still listening to this is is probably having a hard time. And uh, anyone that's not having a hard time probably switch off after the second sentence of the introduction of death. And they're like, fuck that, I'm not listening to that. Um, and again, the whole idea of the podcast is if this helps one person. Of course, yes. Yeah. Then it's fucking great. Uh, making amends before the other person dies. Mm-hmm. I've heard that uh, with a few people in conversing uh, with them. Uh, I was lucky enough that uh, my brother and I, we didn't see eye to eye for about 10 years. Uh, We had a slight difference of opinion on a few things. And then we had this pure moment. I call it this magical two-hour Skype. And we could just lay everything to rest. And I fucking hoid, you know, like it's like... Again, like work comes first, the chicken or the egg, you put something in or the universe gives you something. It's a weird little dance and Mm. you've both got to pitch up at the right time and somehow, and I don't know. And I just, I literally told my brother, you're a bit of a puss. You know what I mean? Like, sorry, but you know, the shit you do is not appropriate. You hurt my feelings. You hurt the people I care about, blah, 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 blah. And And... this is like we could never like have a real conversation and suddenly like we both were just like super real yeah and it's like i agree with you and it's just like this like fucking magical moment Mm. but then the weird thing is we had that and i'm like fucking like these last few months is going to be quite cool like i'm have my brother back and it's next day it's as if that conversation never happened yeah but it was quite cool that i was i got out what i needed to get out and for anyone listening, it's weird how there was a lot of negativity with my brother. And the moment he died, I struggled to remember the negative parts of his life. Yeah. I don't know if you have something similar. Yeah, I know for sure. And um, the, um, the, the way that also like uh, I wanted to ask you was... Where do you search and how do you search for support groups and things? Because the way I dealt with my brother's death is I avoided him dying. 
because it's again like it's it's quite difficult he looks fine so it's a bit like he's not really dying although the doctor said that nine mm. months ago but then it got real and then the way it got real for me is i said i i started struggling with the fact and um i googled one night how to deal with a family member's death mm. and that's the day it got real for me yeah. And then I got some interesting pamphlets and I started reading the pamphlets and originally it fucking irritated me because mm. they re- it's like this condescending, well, if your family member is being diagnosed with something, then you're going to go through an interesting few months. <laughs> it's like this fucking condescending type of literature. But then I found some and the thing that worked for me, the magical phrase was as normal as it is to be born, it's normal to die. Yes. And the circle of life and the thing that also in that pamphlet was like, it's abnormal that everyone lives to 90. Mm. The, some creatures are supposed to die at birth, some at adolescence, toddlers, whatever. And I got like, my perception of reality is everyone should live until they're 95. Everyone should be happy. And that really helped me. And then... What they also said is that you are going through something and then the actual person dying is going through something mm. and it might not be the same process. Yeah. Like my brother didn't acknowledge he was dying ever. Mm. Like he never wanted to admit, to me at least, he never had a conversation as if, you know, just before I'm out of here, like, you know, like never. Mm. And um, so reading that allowing the other person so for me uh fucking google somehow helped okay and there was also like something just switched in my head where mm-hmm. i'm like i'm gonna deal with this now yes I, it's real yeah i'm lucky i have a a, a partner in mm-hmm. anya whose sister died in a freak fucking crash her sister went jet skiing yeah. or they went swimming in a lake in poland lakes are fucking popular in poland okay so they (laughs) they were swimming in a lake and some fucking guy drove with a jet ski over her while swimming and she died and anya had to go identify the body and so i have a partner who had to deal with trauma and death Mm. and um but that's the weird thing you know she dropped the ball yeah you know like one of my biggest resentments from that era is anya and even me like i had a friend whose father died two weeks ago Mm. and i'm like when do i phone when do i not phone what do i say and even though i've gone through it it doesn't mean like i'm the best person but um but i did have also a a partner that understood a little bit and what what troubled me was i can very dramatically look at my life i'm the only one experiencing this Hmm. and then um then it's like I'm not the I'm not the first guy losing his brother to cancer. Yeah. I'm not the first, you know, I'm not the first in nothing. Yeah. I'm unless I'm Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to be the first in a lot at the moment, but hmm. I'm not him. So whatever I'm going through, it's be people are there and there's people with worse worse situations and um that really helped me. Uh, to just align my stuff. So what did you do and how did you go about it? And, you know, if someone's going through a hard time, what do you recommend? Where do they reach out to? 
Yeah, look, there's various different um, avenues to follow. I mean, like I, like we said earlier, there's, 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 there's so many people in this world and everyone's got a different outlook. You've obviously got people that categorize themselves in various different religions and non-religions and all kinds of stuff like that. So I think, to be honest, it's like you said you Googled. I didn't Google. I first went to bookstores and looked for books on death, you know. Yeah. It probably wasn't the wisest of ideas maybe, but hey, that's what I needed to do at that moment, you know, to to just try and find answers even though I didn't find any answers. Um and then eventually like like you said, you know, like trusting that that call it the universe, God, whatever you want to, whether there's any listeners here that do believe or don't believe, it doesn't matter, but I know that there's a lot of people that have found a lot of like me I, I, I get a lot out of um, support groups mm. that I've been involved in um, I get a lot out of psychologists um, my psychiatrist even though they don't really sit and have a conversation with you like a psychologist does but mm. I've over the years found certain people professionals and certain people that I know that I can go to with a certain thing now, a lot of people are probably wondering now, where do you find this stuff? I mean, like you said, Google is an amazing thing. But like, how do you know that you're not going to end up in a group with a bunch of like real crazies. you know, whack jobs? You know, because like I went to a manic depressive group like for a few times and I tell you, I walked out of there like feeling like I'm actually really normal. <laughs> you know? <laughs> really, really. I was like, okay, I don't belong here. <laughs> you know? No, no, no. So, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. Uh, you know, in life, it's kind of like it's it's a hit and miss, you know. It's like give it a go and, and, and feel it out and then whatever. But I think a lot of what we've spoken about now is it's about finding what works, what works for me, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I found out what didn't work for me and then I found out what did work for me. And this is a topic that everyone's going to face at some point in their life. Um the first person that I lost in my life before Robin was uh, quite a father figure to me. And he said to me, coming back to what you said about making amends, he said, I'm not going to phone everyone now that I've ever pissed off in my life or whatever. I will die and then they can feel sorry for me. <laughs> Straight through. <laughs> and he was like, what like, Oka asked to me as well. He never ever phoned me up or sent me a message saying, I'm sorry for being a dick. <laughs> he just, that that was his way he just dealt with it, you know, and, 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 and that was his thing. And that was cool for him, you know what I mean? I think it's about, like like I've said before, it's about trying to, you know, I've been saying this for, for years now, I need to know myself. I need to know who I am, you know? I need to know what I like. I need to know what I don't like. The biggest question in most people's lives is, do I just get in my car at six o'clock in the morning, drive to Cape Town in the traffic, do the job in a cubicle? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but I'm just saying make the money, have the house, have the family, have the dog, have the cat, have the da 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 da, -da have everything. Mm. Or is it about actually knowing myself and saying, look, it's like me. I was I was working jobs and stuff like that. And and then I realized, like, listen, you know, that, like, 
I'm very good at certain things. I'm a carpenter and I'm very good at doing woodwork. So I tried, I, I gambled like this guy told you. I, I, I took a chance and I started my own flooring company. And it's done really well at times and it's done not so well at times. But that is part of taking the risk and it's part of knowing who I am and what, I, what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. I know I'm good at the, the physical labor. I know I'm not good at the admin and that stuff. I can sell the product nicely because I can talk nicely with the client. But putting together an invoice and a quotation and stuff like that, it's not my strong point. But give me the tools and give me a staircase to build and I'll build you a masterpiece. You know what I'm saying? Look at the things I enjoy in life. What is it that I like and what is it that I don't like? I've had to give up certain sports in my life as well. Because, not because I don't want to do them, but because they're not good for me anymore. You know? Which ones? No, like... Um, well, obviously, like rollerblading and stuff like that. Motorsport is another thing. I, I just recently sold my go-kart. I wanted to start again. I went to practice and just the politics and the guys are assholes. And it's just, I just looked at this and I said, you know what? I've had my time, you know, um, it's not worth it. I mean, I even bought uh, the Stig helmet, you know, like the Stig, I bought a real Stig helmet. Like legit. Like a legit Stig trademark. helmet. Yeah. Yeah. For protection for my noggin. It's a sick helmet. <laughs> it's a sick helmet. You, you feel safe in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it comes down to you and it's like, it squishes your face. Like, <laughs> no, it's insane. But if I'm having to fork out so much money just for protection for my head, that's already telling me, listen, you're China. You know, you're doing if, something. You know, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, is it worth it? You because know? that's what I wanted to ask you. It's like, so... Moving on from this, what what gives you joy? What what do you enjoy doing? That ah fuck, life's cool, loving it, um, makes it worth it, makes me feel like a better person, heals me. What are those activities? Okay, with regards to like I said, when when I had that bitter taste of of the 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 passing of Robin in my mouth, it's like it's just the process of grieving that made me not want to associate to anything that I associated her with. Like if I would go to racing, I'd leave after one race because I'm like, no, I don't like the feeling. Mm. So I eventually I had to start, like, I love motor racing. I grew up with motor racing. I've been a racing driver for years. That's who I am and that's what I do. Yeah, obviously I've got to make my decisions as to what's safe and what's not safe, but put that aside, there's nothing wrong with going to watch the motorsport. You know, sit there. So I had to fight that um, internal battle mm. of like, this is creating pain because Robin used to be there. So she's maybe still there. You know what I'm saying? She Maybe she's sitting next to me in spirit. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it is like that, but, you know. So I've had to fight through those demons, if you want to call it, which mm. is not really demons. I don't know why they use that word, but fight through all of that negativity cling. And I started to enjoy it again. Mm. Surfing, I started going surfing again and I found joy in surfing again. Then I bought this go-kart that wasn't in a very nice condition with the whole aim of rebuilding it. Okay, From start to finish. Mm. I started with it and a mate of mine who's also very technically minded with race cars and stuff it was standing at his house, and all I wanted to do was shortcut the whole build. And he was like, no, you need to put new bearings in, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and let's sand the frame down. And all I wanted to do is slap it together. And I sat one day, and I started crying. 
working on a go-kart. I mean, how weird is that? You know what I'm saying? It's like mm. if you read a, like a soppy story in the U magazine, that's a different story. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but not while you're sitting. <laughs> not while you're sitting with a go-kart. Working a wrench and oil and, and I'm overalls. like, what the hell, Charles? Like, just, you know, bro, this is not right, you know? And then I realized the reason why I, why I, why I got emotional is because I was building that race car with Robin. Mm. You see? And now I'm building another race card, not even though it's not a car, it's a go-kart, but now I'm like building this thing and I'm realizing that I'm having to face those emotions. So I almost wanted to do, I just, okay, I don't want it anymore. Mm. And then I spoke to this mate of mine and he said, like, he thought something wasn't right here because you're trying to shortcut everything. And then I forced myself to go through it. It's almost like these movies where, you know, like the boxer gets beaten up or they break his arm and then he has to fight back and then he goes and wins the world championship and, you know, or like the gladiator or Braveheart and stuff like that. These are movies that speak to me because it's like, you know, the O gets knocked down, but then he has to fight this battle and then he comes out the hero, becomes the hero at the end. Mm. It's like with the, with the racing. Sorry, I'm going to just quickly... Mm. There's a movie. I think the actor is Miles Teller. Okay. He's a boxer. Mm. And he's the world champ. Yeah. And he fucking is in a car crash. And yeah. he breaks everything. Sure. And it's about his comeback story. Yeah, you see. And I watched that about six months ago. Mm. And I don't know. Sometimes these cheesy, corny movies, they just fucking they no, do they something do. for you. Especially if it's based on real mm. events that you can like... Yeah. Yes, this is Hollywood's take on it, but mm. it is fucking... Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just had to no, get no, it good, out there. No, no, good, 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 good. I, I forgot to say something, though. Before I bought this go-kart now, a few years ago, after Robin had passed, I got given the opportunity to race again with a sponsored car. Mm. And I asked him if I could put a sticker of a swallow on the car by my steering wheel so that I could look at that. Because she'd never seen me race. Mm. So I envisioned like she was watching me race now when I raced. And I did a few races and the car kept breaking. And eventually when I got the car sorted out, I went out and I won the night. And I had the flag, checkered flag in my hand going around the circuit, you know, driving past the people. And all I could feel was like, you know, I, 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 I succeeded. Mm. You know what I mean? There was like, I had like a tear in my one eye because I was like, you know, I've come back from this and I've just you know faced it and now i've just won again you know where i used to win before then and then i just ran away from the sport because of the pain and the, and, and, mm. and like i gave up and mm. then all of a sudden i faced it so when that was a sponsored car so i just got in and drove now i'm building this go-kart and i rebuild this thing completely we take it to the track it runs perfect it handles nicely i'm going nicely around the track sideways just having a jaw and then I realized, okay, I did it. I finished this race car. You understand? Where I didn't finish the previous one because I couldn't. Now, I do, even though I just built this car and I sold it, I faced that. Mm. And I achieved that. So there's already healing and there's growth. It's kind of like it's in the movies, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like the guy gets... It's like, it's like if I look at like gladiator the movie it's one of my favorite movies mm. you know his wife gets killed he gets betrayed you know he gets put in the, the worst of situations you know what i'm saying like there's nothing he can do he's like, he can run away or he can get killed and he gives up on life but then he just he becomes like 
vengeful and then eventually he starts fighting for what's really right mm. and then it, he loses his life in the process but he chose to fight for something that was right you know so it's mm. like i know it sounds corny or whatever but am i gonna lie down and play dead in life or am i gonna take the knocks and say you know what it is what it is it's not because god is trying to be an ass to me bro. You know what I mean? There's people that have got far worse situations than me. You know what I mean? There's people that have got better situations than me. I just need to accept that I'm where I am. I know what I want for my life. And I must not give up. It's as simple as that. You know, I must never give up five minutes before the miracle happens. I mean, you've heard that cliche before. But it means a lot if you think about it. Because there's been so many times in my life where I've thought to myself like, I, I can't go any further, man. You know, like, I'm like, what do I do? Then I get a phone call, like, listen, I've got a job for you. Are you interested in starting next week? Poof. You know, there's some finances being released again, you know, or doing the time with Robin, like, oh, what do I do? You know, like, I'm really struggling and I, I, I'm, I'm too proud to pick up the phone and then I get a message from you. Hey, Boot, how are you doing? Or, or what's, you know, want to meet for coffee or, or you know, it's things like that. Just as long as I'm trying to do the next right thing the mm. next right thing will try to do be there for me you know what i'm saying mm. it's like positive energy positive energy you know like negative energy negative energy so i don't know bro I, there's no explanation to this thing called life for me this is my personal experience mm. and the way i see it you know something that you know one of my new theories and uh, thirsty we're gonna slowly start wrapping up because i see we're at uh, almost 100 minutes yeah. which is an hour and 40. So um, when it comes to these fucking assholes in life, yeah. um, and we spoke earlier jokingly about uh, what weirdos we are and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Like I had a conversation with someone the other day and it's like my new theory is like if someone has physical capabilities mm. we can say well that guy's talented or that lady's talented yeah. and you know physically they're more capable mm. we are in a position where we can say that guy is intellectually more capable yeah and then i do think that some people are spiritually more capable oh. and that there are layers to people and i think the problem is it's my whole thing is that fuck Unfortunately, it's not like we have zebras and leopards walking out there and you can just spot them. You know, it's like fucking, I wish we could put loser on this guy's forehead and <laughs> bet on that lady's forehead. But you actually have to talk to them to realize. And um, I think people are just, some people are just not spiritually capable. And I think the disappointment from fucking the world is that, I, I don't know, man, like uh, I spoke to someone about it. It's like, I think that they're going to reciprocate my good intentions or my feelings or mm. they're going to understand. And some people just aren't that capable. They're just too mm. dumb. They don't have spiritual depth. Mm. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of disappointment comes. And I spoke to Anya about this earlier because we're part of, busy with the immigration. And part of immigration is finding a new support network and building that. And the only way to do that is, is go into the jungle and fucking play with the lion's balls and see if he responds appropriately or not. And you got to get your hand bit off sometimes. Yeah. And then the, 
But if you survive it, you have your best fucking friend walking hand in hand with a lion in the jungle. It's like you can find the weirdest shit everywhere, but mm. you got to get involved. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a weird, weird thing. But um, yeah, man, I don't know if you have any uh, closing observations <laughs> <laughs> to wrap this up. I just want to say yeah. thanks, man. This is a... a I fucking woke up today and it's my day off. I was supposed to do nothing today and I've ended up having a super busy day and I've just had a podcast about death, which I did not think. Uh, Even when I invited you for the podcast, I thought we might talk about stock car racing, fucking surfing, getting concussions, brain damage, fucking breaking bones, being a dumb dick, you know, like... <laughs> and I'm like, obviously the option is talking about death. Yeah. So I didn't expect we we're going to do this. Thank you. Because mm. I can feel this last few days. It's my brother's birthday tomorrow. For sure, bro. Uh, I'm fucking going to a shooting range with my dad because he got his license back for his firearm. And so okay. uh, he wants to make sure in South Africa he knows how to shoot accurately. <laughs> um, so, but I could feel this last period that there's something in me that's, that wants to acknowledge the loss of Duart and mm. uh, and it's I don't always know how to do it yeah. and the movie doesn't always hit the spot and yeah. I fuck this conversation hit the spot man mm. and I hope someone gets something from this look yeah thanks man but it's, I feel yeah I feel am amazingly good actually to be honest with you and I think if there's anything I can leave with if there's anybody listening to this that that could relate or maybe knows of someone going through something like this or can encourage someone to listen to this podcast if i mean we're just two young oaks sitting together and i mean none of us have a degree in psychology or anything like that <laughs> so uh in, psychologists industri just <laughs> industrial psychology yeah, psychologists please just edit out that it doesn't yeah, make sense don't forward this to anyone. <laughs> but um it's it's two guys we both i mean extreme sports guys you know um in all fairness we shouldn't even be talking about this you know we should just be like okay let's just jump on our bikes and go and like try to backflip and land on our necks you know what i'm saying but i think that's what i'm trying to get at is the fact that i've been talking about it and the fact that i face it and you face it and we face it head on is where the healing comes and we can move on with our lives and I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. There will always be those moments that will come up, a song maybe, or a birthday, or a time of death, or a whatever, that will just make one think of it. And that is normal. You know what I mean? That I've, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that that's normal. Mm. And it's, it's, it's not normal to, to, to make as if it never happened. Because that's, like I said, and like I said in my story, like that was where the danger came. And it's, it's, it's not normal to walk around thinking that I'm less than because I had a family member, uh, a family member. I had someone close to me pass away. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's part of life, like you said. Death will happen. It's mm. just how do I process it? You've yeah. processed it differently and I've processed it differently. So if anyone's listening there, find the path that works for you and but don't I, give up yeah you know, i just i just want I, it's a bit of anticlimax but also be careful yes because my broken 
broken neck, broken back, brain damage. That is one of the way I put a lot of my coping mechanisms were extreme sports. Yeah, no, no, but we've said already that that can be dangerous now, and we've no, had I to know, but stop I'm just, some of I it. Always, I always just feel like, because I'm sitting at a point where I'm like, was it worth it? And I used to be able to say yes, mm. and I struggle some days, but it still was worth it. Fuck. But I'm sure a lot of people that are listening, if there are a lot of people listening, are not to extreme sports. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so if reading a book for you helps that's fine yeah dude Joel's uh, over and out <laughs> dude thanks so much man. <laughs> pleasure bro. all right thank we're, you we're gonna go a cup of inchy yeah lekker <laughs> <laughs> cheers sweet